The St Albans Film Guide with Simon Carver, hosted by Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with uh, with me and uh, I'm Danny. Uh, hello, uh, but also Simon Carver, who's here with us now in our virtual studio. Hello, Simon. Hi, Danny. Hi, everyone. Yeah. So last week we started with uh, with being unable to see you. Uh, I'm not even sure if we, 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 we shared with the listener that, that we could see you in the second part or not. Um, but but we have you in full Technicolor glory this week, don't we? Well, that's good to know. Well, I mean, I don't know whether you can see me or not. But um, Well, you, you've but, got a cup poised uh, at your mouth, which you're not going to mute your mic, so we're going to hear you slurp, aren't we? There you go. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has to have his glass of gin before uh, we start. Is that tea or coffee? Coffee. Oh, okay. You said that in such a way, what, do you not ever drink tea? I do occasionally if somebody's only got instant coffee, because I'm a snob. I'm not that much of a snob, though. I mean, I, I, I just don't like instant coffee particularly. I don't mind any other sort of way of making it, but just not instant. Okay, good to know. Right. It's just, you know, if you're ever going to think of getting me a coffee or making me a coffee don't, you know, don't insult you with an instant one exactly right. yes and you'd be able to tell would you uh yeah <laughs> wow you, it tastes it tastes different you look affronted by that no that's fair yeah. enough i mean t- 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 i like a coffee but i don't know <coughs> if i'd necessarily be able to tell if it were instant or not but um yeah anyway let's crack on with the films now, mm. now we've discussed, um, you know, refreshments. Uh, so uh, we, we're going to do in part one, as we normally do, we're going to look at new releases uh, on the streaming services and just one this week from Amazon Prime. And this is uh, one that they've been promoting for quite a long time now. And it's called Without Remorse. Yes, this is from the uh, the Jack Ryan universe. Um, although I'm, I know that you'll explain later why that is because he's not actually in this as far as I can tell but anyway it's written by John Clancy Tom Clancy sorry from uh, his 90 I think I should have had more coffee my mouth's not working properly right Tom Clancy wrote uh, this novel in 1993 and it's been uh, adapted for the screen it stars Michael B. Jordan uh, Jamie Bell British Jamie Jamie Bell and uh, neighbours Guy Pearce and and a bunch of other people whose names I don't recognise. Right, in war-torn Syria, an elite team of SEALs, I don't know, it always makes me smile, that, um, led by senior chief John Clark, who is Michael B. Jordan's character, they rescue a CIA operative taken hostage by ex-Russian military forces. Three months later, in apparent retaliation for his role in the mission, Clark's pregnant wife is murdered by a squad of Russian assassins. Despite being shot multiple times himself, he manages to kill all but one of the attackers before being rushed to the hospital. Healed from his injuries, he tracks down a corrupt Russian diplomat who issued the passports to his wife's murderers. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yes. yeah. So, yeah. John Clark is a character that features in in several of the Jack Ryan novels, which is right. how they're they're um, sort of linked. And in the in the source book, um, Jack Ryan was a teenage boy who featured in one scene of the book. Um, but but his father 
uh, Jack Ryan Sr. was um, a cop who was investigating um, uh, Clark's activities. Although in the book, he was called Kelly. He was called John Kelly. And it was only at the end of the book where, because of the fact he'd committed lots of crimes along the way, the CIA gave him a new identity and said that John Kelly had died. And at the end of the book, he became John Clark. But it looks like they're using very little of the original story um, in this. Um, but, uh, but yes. Because I, I read the synopsis for it and um, there was a bit of it I left out because I didn't really quite understand. It didn't seem to make sense to me about him when he got out of prison. And I, I, I couldn't see in the rest of it what he'd done to be put in prison. So, still. so in, the, um, in the original book, he became something of a vigilante and he started... Uh, killing people who were associated with the death of his girlfriend right and it was um, I think she died something with drugs a drugs overdose or something like that and then he was he was posing as a as, as a vagrant and, and like you know get, managing to t- take out all the local drug dealers and and Jack Ryan senior was the cop in the town that was investigating these these crimes and these um, you know he was chasing down this vigilante that was was this character and then the CIA sent him on a mission off to Vietnam and off um, and I think basically as a thank you for doing the mission uh, he was given a um, uh, a new identity but it sounds right. like that has almost nothing to do with this story whatsoever so I don't think in any way that's a spoiler hmm yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a bit confusing. I think probably because I read the synopsis of the book as well as the synopsis ah. of the film. Yeah. And, um, yeah, trying to put the two together. It, it reminded me a bit of John Wick in this, apart from the fact that it was his wife that was shot and not his dog. Yeah. Um, but there, there seemed similarities. Well, in John Wick, was... wasn't it his wife and his dog? Well, his wife was dead, or was it that she died differently? They certainly shot his dog. I think. I think the thing was, oh yeah, actually I don't know now. But I think it was the fact that the dog was given to him by his wife. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Was it that his wife died of something, and the dog was a gift from her, and it was it was his link to her, and then they went and killed his dog. I think that was it. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, like I, it, I don't think he actually killed his wife. No, I think. Um, but, but she the, did the, she die the, at the beginning, or she or she was already dead at the beginning. I'm not sure, but the, the the dog was the link, as you say, mm. with with the wife, and that was, of course, was Russian mob as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The- um, and that the the dopey one was, um, yeah, Keith Allen's son. Oh yeah, Alfie. Alfie. Yeah, bless him. Uh, okay, but anyway, without remorse, um, Amazon have been pushing this. Uh, this is their big release out on the 30th of April. Uh, looks like a sort of a rip-roaring action-adventure thriller, um, and and obviously time will tell. Perhaps by next week, at least one of us might have seen this, and then we might have a, 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 a further opinion on it. Indeed, yes. Possibly. We, we, mm. shall, we shall find out. Anyway. I'm not convinced, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling if one of us is likely to watch it, it won't be you. But um, I think if it's one of us, it will be you. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we'll, we'll see. We'll keep we'll keep the listener posted on that, and uh, we'll look at Simon and, and my choices of films on free to air TV for the week ahead in part two, which will be coming up in just a moment. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, 
views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Welcome to the second part of this week's St Albans Film Guide. This is where we look at uh, Simon's choices and my choices of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. And we start off with Friday the 30th of April, 11.35pm on BBC One. And Simon has gone for The Blair Witch Project. Yes, um, this uh, is one of those... Where in fact, it was about, just about the first of the found footage films... Um, there have been a few of them since I, I, I've not seen it but um, on Gogglebox the other week they showed a bit from Apparent Paranormal Activity oh right yes um, which is which is a similar in a more modern thing um, this was this was perhaps the, the original of all of those made on a shoestring um, I, I'm sort of thinking what a shoestring would be uh, wasn't it that Bristol Detective yeah, it was the cost. I reckon this is the cost of a medium-sized car. That's how much it cost to make. I heard somewhere Which, when that you this... consider others make it cost millions and millions and millions. That's that's sort of not very much at all. At, at the time that this was in the cinema, there was a fairly dramatic storyline in EastEnders where the Mitchell brothers were back together, and it ended with some big heist and. Um, one of the Mitchell brothers driving the car into the River Thames, I think it was, flying off of a jetty and crashing into into the river. And um, and apparently that episode of EastEnders cost as much as the Blair Witch Project cost to, to be made. Um, or or yeah. just that one 30-minute yeah. thing with, with, with yeah, yeah. a car yeah. sequence. Um, to, to give it just a degree of scale. And because of that, this is one of the biggest sort of um, box office successes ever. Um, when you compare its profit to what it mm. cost, mm. as a multiplier, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, basically, what what, what it's about is um, uh, three students go into the woods uh, to search for a mythical monster, and this is the the the, the video diary that w- was left behind uh, after w- when it was found, and it, it's one of those where there's no effects uh, well, you can't you know you can't get much in the way of effects for forty thousand dollars and um so it's all about just uh what's going on in your head rather than what you're seeing uh, so very clever mm. and uh yeah yeah good i mean it, it spawned a, a sequel or two um and i think possibly even a remake but but I would imagine the advice would be to avoid those. But but this is you know this is a great film. Yeah. This is one of those films where it really benefited as well from a very clever marketing, <clears throat> because because mm. at the time everyone was talking about this movie. You know it was the, uh, the, the you know they, they made the most of, of of the internet of of making you know making it viral, uh, posting 
they were posting little clips of this on YouTube without much explanation. So people weren't really aware. Was this a film? Was it was it just that this was some footage of something creepy in the woods that mm. someone had uploaded? Mm. And, and, and you know, the, the, it was it did so well to become such a, a talking point as a movie. Um, and, and when it came out, the the, uh, the the publicity said that the actors who were in it were were either missing or or deceased. Yeah. Um, to to add to this blurring of fact and fiction. Um, but but it was yeah, and it I was mean, credited with being the first of its kind. This sort of you know this found footage thing and and yeah the blurring. Mm. Um, it wasn't. But that was part of the success of its own hype was that people believed even that. Um, yeah. There was a very famous video nasty in the early eighties called Cannibal Holocaust. That was the exact same um, technique. That it was found footage. Um, the it was rumored that the cast members actually died in the making of the movie. That that when you see their deaths on screen, they were for real. Um, the the uh, Italian director, I think, in he, he arrived in one country to promote the movie and was arrested. And they wouldn't release him until he could prove that the actors actually were alive. That it was believed it was a snuff movie, and and that movie was used the same sort of tech tactics and technique to 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 gain notoriety you know in particular putting out rumors that that the actors actually did die on screen um and yeah there was one before even that um from uh 1961 uh, which was supposed to be footage assembled by a cameraman who'd been working on a documentary on a filmmaker who disappeared um but after that, there was nothing until, as you say, that uh, cannibal holocaust. Yeah. Um, but yes, this sort of rev- re- revived it, um, for want of a better word. Yeah. yeah. And, and that film um, was for years regarded as a video nasty. And, and then, you know, there were various releases that were sort of very much... Uh, you know, done in a in a way that that just built on this hype of like this being the the, the scariest, the nastiest movie that's ever been made, and and rumours of of it actually being a snuff movie where the, the deaths were for real and all this sort of thing. It was all nonsense. And the reason why it was banned mm. is because there was animal cruelty in the movie, and um, th- there's a couple right. of scenes with them actually killing animals in the jungle um, and, eat, and and cooking them to eat. And yeah, that's why it got banned. The actual gruesome nature of the movie the effects were awful <laughs> it really looked quite apparent that, that that it wasn't you know the blood didn't look real it it was very cheap but but it was it wasn't banned for that it was actually banned for the animal cruelty that was in the movie right but, uh, but anyway that's not the film we're talking about the one we are talking about no Blair Witch Project it's Blair Witch for, from 1999 11.35pm uh, 11. on BBC One um, earlier in the evening, uh, you couldn't get much further away from the Blair Witch Project with my choice. Uh, it's a rom-com. Uh, I don't often choose these, but but occasionally um, I think there's a very good one around and, and I'll recommend it. And the one I've chosen is from 1996 and it's One Fine Day. The working day for two mismatched single professionals is thrown into turmoil when their children have to stay at home after missing a school trip. The pair agree to take in turns to babysit while struggling to stick to their hectic schedules. But during the course of the day, their feelings for each other blossom unexpectedly. Nothing unexpected about it at all. You can tell right at the beginning where it's going. But anyway, yeah, rom-com starring George Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer, Charles Durning and Mae Whitman. And probably... George Clooney's first sort of starring role, I would imagine. Um, you know, in the oh really? Well, in the mid nineties, he of course came to fame for yeah, ER. Yeah, I suppose he was. 
he was ER, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. and and he, he was he was in lots of movies and TV things before that, but he was never really that well known. And then ER sort of made him this this big mm. sort of heartthrob, and mm. and and mm. this was. I think possibly his first movie in a in a starring role. There was this, and then very shortly afterwards, he did From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, and then very shortly after that, he did Batman, and so you know three very different movies. Um, but mm. but yeah, this is good. I mean, this is a good good rom com. You know, um, well, he, they work well together. He and Michelle Pfeiffer looked like they didn't really have to try very hard. And no, and you know, the, the, it, it, to me, this, you need that in a rom com. <laughs> Well, you, you want it to look effortless, don't you? You want, you know, you want there to be, um, you know, an actors of this caliber doing this sort of thing. You know, you can't imagine it was a huge stretch for them. But, um, but yeah, they, um, the, the film as well. I thought it, it was evocative of those old rom coms. You know, the Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn, that, those sorts of classic rom coms from way back when. You know, it had something of that feel to it, even though it was very modern. Um, but yeah, one fine day. Uh, it, is, it is quite funny, quite quite romantic, quite charming, and that's uh, six fifty p.m. on Sony Movies on Friday, the thirtieth of April. We move into May. Wow, where did that go? Saturday, the first of May, five ten p.m. ITV Four, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, I've chosen this loads of times it, it, because it's it's it, it's funny, it's clever, um, it, it's basically. Uh, a Star Trek bunch of actors or a bunch of actors who are in a Star Trek type of show who uh, get uh, contacted by aliens who believe they really are who they say they are Um, and you've got Tim Allen who plays the sort of Captain Kirk character Sigourney Weaver I'm not entirely sure who you would relate her to Alan Rickman is uh, is the sort of the alien? He's the Spock who, character, he, isn't he? Yeah, the sort of Spock character, um, and you know, he's the sort of the Shakespearean actor that that looks down his nose at having to be in this and is grumpy the whole time. And it, yeah, it's it's very funny. I mean, they weren't very they weren't funny, just sending up Spock and Kirk; they were sending up William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. You know, they're you know because uh, uh, yes. Nimoy for years was trying to get away from Star Trek and trying to say how yes, he's a serious I'm not actor. Spock. Yeah. was was a was a biography that he wrote i think which was later followed by another biography i am spot yeah um, apparently he came to embrace it and realized that that was what was going to pay his bills into retirement yeah. so well quite quite there you go so yeah funny i've seen sigourney weaver just recently sending herself up in um that french show on netflix call my agent okay where she, she basically plays herself but um uh, a, a very sort of upper self sort of actor um which is what they all do in that show. They they all they they have a, every week they have a star. Well, not every week. Every episode there's a star who is basically playing a, a version of themselves, a bit like in extras yeah. or uh, one of those. So does she do things. it in French? Or do they do they subtitle her? Yeah, no, she does it in French. She speaks pretty good French. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you speak yeah, no, pretty she's... good French, or do you rely heavily on the subtitles? Oh. Uh, oh, very good. I speak better better French than I do um, Danish or you know Swedish or any of the other f- programs that we sometimes watch. It does. I can sort of get a feel of what they're saying. Uh, bien. I wouldn't want to watch it without the uh, without the subtitles. I have to say. Okay. Anyway, Galaxy Quest, a great movie. Um, really good. You know the, the way that it lovingly sends up um, television and sci-fi and actors and and. It, but it but it does it in a in a charming and engaging sort of way. 
Um, that's uh, 5, 10 p.m. on ITV4, Saturday the 1st of May. 9 p.m. Uh, Saturday the 1st of May over on... Oh, it's still on ITV4, in fact. Uh, we have, from 1993, so far, all 90s movies we've picked uh, up to now. Um, the, the, the one I've gone for, 9 p.m., is The Fugitive. A doctor is convicted of his wife's murder and forced to go on the run to prove his innocence, but his efforts to find the mysterious one-armed man he believes is the real killer are hampered by a tenacious US Marshal. Thriller starring Harrison Ford and Oscar-winning Tommy Lee Jones, um, Cella Ward, Julianne Moore and Joe Pantoliano. And uh, this was based, of course, on a 1960 series of the same name, wasn't it? Mm. A Quinn Martin yep. production, if I remember rightly. Yeah. <coughs> and it landed yes, for years, used to. didn't it? Where every week he was yeah. on the run and he got that much closer to working out who the one-armed man was who who he thought murdered his wife. And every week the police nearly caught him and then and then every week it ended with him really no further on than he was at the beginning. Yeah, but whereas this one, it all happens in two hours, fortunately. Yes. Um, and there's, which is handy. Yeah. And, and yeah, Harrison, I mean, I know you don't like him that much and I think he's great, but, but this is Harrison Ford doing what he does really well. And, and yeah, also he, he did, it's not really a stretch for him. You know, he just, he just turns up and he does his thing and, and it works where, you know, Tommy Lee Jones was, was wonderful. And, um, and, and you know, quite, I think it's quite surprising that a film like this got an Oscar nomination for acting and even more surprising that he won it. But, you know, he, he, he he's there as the determined um, US Marshal trying to hunt down Harrison Ford. And there's that great exchange in a, in a tunnel where where he's got him in his sights and he, and Harrison Ford says, I'm innocent. And Tommy Lee Jones goes, I don't care. Because, you know, it's not his job. All his job is, is to bring him in. Um, but... Uh, yes, that's right. He, he um, It's this, this idea that he, innocent or guilty doesn't matter, you know he's got his job to yeah, do. Yeah, he's part of the, you know, the justice system is just to bring him in. Yeah. Someone else deals with whether yeah. he's innocent or guilty. Um, Indeed. And, and yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was, was spellbinding in this, really good. And they did a sequel to it. Um, some years later, uh, there was a, a sequel which largely um, sort of followed a very similar path that this film set out, but again, with Tommy Lee Jones hunting a different um, villain who was innocent. Uh, and that was from, I think that was from about five five or six years later. But anyway, The Fugitive uh, is on 9pm on ITV4 on Saturday the 1st of May. So then we move to Sunday the 2nd of May, 8pm on ITV. And um, it's a film that I'm pretty sure that I normally pick, but, but you've picked it this time. It's Skyfall. Mm. Yeah, one of the best of the, well, I think one of the best James Bond films, but certainly one of the best of the... Um, the, the latter ones, the Daniel Craig ones, uh, directed by Sam Mendes. Um, got a great opening sequence. You always, got to, you always have to have a good opening sequence in these films, don't you? Um, you've got uh, uh, Javier Bardem as the, the baddie. Um, you've got the original DB5. Um, Adele's great song as well. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Yeah. It's a, a, the cast is is to die for, really, isn't it? Which could be a title of a future Bond film, perhaps. But um, you've yeah. you know you, you know Judy Dench and Ray Fiennes and Naomi Harris and Ben Whishaw and Javier Bardem and uh, uh, Albert Finney. You, you know it it just you know it's it's such a cracking cast and and also. Daniel Craig's performance is is the, the the backbone of it, you know, holding all of it together, uh, you know, to such a point you almost sort of overlook him, you know, the, the, in 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 the greatness of all the others. And, and Javier Bardem, such a 
a wonderful, very three-dimensional villain. You know, not just sort of hell-bent on taking over the world and living in a lair and having a cat. You know, it, it was, there was far more depth to his um, his, his villain and his, the menace of his villain. Mm. Yes, because I thought the villain in the last one was not terribly villainous at all, really. What, in uh, um, Spectre? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's Christoph Fox, wasn't it? And, and it seemed such a waste of his ability. Mm. Um, very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, no, very much so. Uh, but but then this film, I think it's diff- it would be difficult to better this film. You know that that, that it you know to anything that was going to follow it up was never going to quite hit the same marks. But 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 every element of this, even down to as you say the music, you know, every part of it, um, it, it just just worked and 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 worked. This is the one where it ends up in Scotland, isn't yeah. it? With Albert Finney. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do sort of merge into one a little bit in my head, and they blow up the MI6 building, don't they? Yes, and uh, yeah. and also it's um, yeah Judy Dench, um, and and she gets quite quite a role in this one as well. She's not just you know doing the scene at the beginning where she sends him off on a mission. That she you know she, she's in it quite a bit. She's very involved with the finale, and and uh, yeah, um, yeah, a great great Bond film. Um, 8 p.m. ITV. That's Skyfall on Sunday, second of May. Uh, <laughs> There wasn't an awful lot else that was particularly good on Sunday, 2nd of May. I would have gone for Skyfall, but you picked it. So do you remember me telling you way back when about uh, Tommy Lee Jones did a follow-up to The Fugitive? Well, mm. it's on Sunday, uh, at 9pm on ITV4. Uh, US Marshals is the name of the film. A federal marshal okay. sets out in pursuit of an escaped prisoner who is determined to prove his murder conviction was false. Sounds a bit familiar so far, doesn't it? As the chase progresses, the marshal is forced to work with a diplomatic security agent, making him realise the fugitive is no ordinary convict and that his claims of innocence may be true. Thriller sequel starring Tommy Lee Jones reprising his Oscar-winning role from The Fugitive alongside Wesley Snipes and Robert Downey Jr. Quite a good cast. And um, yeah, it is Tommy Lee Jones just doing what he did in the first one and, and he doesn't really seem to be breaking a sweat doing it either and and he, once again he's hunting down he must get a bit at this point you think does he get fed up of chasing down innocent men no not again but but no he does it and he and it is it is a good film it's a good film but incredibly high rating on the listings um, service that I was using it, it actually had a higher rate a considerably higher rating than um, than the first one which surprised me but yeah but nonetheless, um, it isn't a bad film. And uh, and if you've seen Skyfall an awful lot of times before and you're looking for something different, then 9pm over on ITV4 is US Marshals on Sunday, the 2nd of May. I'm, I'm assuming you've not seen the film. I don't know if you had any insight. No, I haven't. No. no. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. Uh, I would try and squeeze a wood in edgeways, you know, if I had seen it. Well, I'll let you speak when it's your choice. Goodness sake. Anyway, uh, right, so let's move on to uh, Monday the 3rd of May and another film that I was going to pick, but you got there first. Um, and, uh, yeah, all, all I can imagine was your impression of Richard Burton doing his famous radio call for this movie. You gonna, oh, yes. Are going to do it yes. again? Mm. No, I, I, I'm, I, my heart's not in it. Um, I, you know, I'm not a performing seal. Um, okay. but, but when I saw this was on, I was doing a bit of background reading uh, about it and discovered there's a very funny uh, uh, analysis of it uh, by a, a, a literary critic. And I, I ordered it, to, to, which should arrive later on today, but 
it'll certainly arrive in time so I can be watching on Monday with this book beside me because it's scene by scene it sort of analyzes it okay it's, it's very funny about Clint Eastwood and says basically I think he describes him having feline grace um, in comparison to you know Richard Burton's sort of uh, uh, look, look like he's two sheets of the wind through through the whole thing, and um, but, but it talks about Clint Eastwood's acting is based upon squinting um, and squint, squinting with a German accent, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, so, the yeah, it's, film, by the way, it's Where Eagles Dare, two ten pm yes. on ITV Four, Monday the third of May. Yeah, and the, and the book is the is titled with the uh, the famous line broadsword calling Danny Boy I, I don't know quite why that has become such a such a thing um, but it, it I, I think there was a song that that quoted it okay um, and you can you know you can get sort of t-shirts and mugs with it on and all sorts but I'm not quite sure why yeah it's so so iconic but it but it is anyway well it's yeah um, I've forgotten all about the line until the last time we mentioned this maybe a year or so back when mm. you suddenly did your, your impression and um, and then I sort of thought yeah how could I have forgotten that line of course um, but uh, but yeah the the, um, the movie as well it was I mean so this was very early um, uh, a very early Clint Eastwood film this is one of the first he did that wasn't a western and yeah. um, and also he was a co-star in this you know Richard Burton I I don't know whose name came first on the poster, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it was Richard Burton's. It was written... The script was written by Alistair MacLean for um, Richard Burton, it says here. Yeah. Um, so I imagine he would have been, you know, top of the cast. But, yeah, you know. and, and, and around this time, he did two films where he, he starred with an older, more established actor who I think got top billing and he got second billing. And you sort of wonder if he was almost doing like an apprenticeship, trying to establish himself in, in, in you know, mm. in different movies. Because the other film, which I think was of the exact same year, was uh, Paint Your Wagon, where he was alongside Lee Marvin in that one. Um, right. And, and this one, um, yeah, alongside uh, Richard Burton. I mean, it had been, been about 40 when he made this. But he was roughly. He was predominantly known for TV work and then for spaghetti westerns. So mm. I think for trying to yeah, get, get into Hollywood to make movies, you mm. know, it, it, he done. I think he'd done a western or two at this point in Hollywood. But but trying to um, prove he had more than that to him, I think you know. I'm sure Burton would have had top billing because it also says in my notes that he was paid a million dollars, and we're talking as back when know, that was a lot of money years ago. Yeah, a million dollars plus a percentage. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose we ought to say what it's about. Yeah, why not? It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's, uh, they, they infiltrate a Nazi stronghold to discover a hornet's, hornet's nest of spies. It's a sort of double and triple cross um, story. Lots of shooting and bombs and all the rest of it, cable cars and, uh, yeah, stuff like that. And it's all, it's all, it was all filmed in the Austrian Alps, apparently by loads of doubles. Um, stunt doubles as well. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, that's uh, Where Eagles Dare, uh, 1969, uh, that came out. And that's uh, Bank Holiday Monday. It does feel like a Bank Holiday Monday film, doesn't it? Mm. That's 2.10pm yeah. on ITV4. Um, you know how last week I was pretty proud of all of my film choices? Yeah, less, well, old Tosh, if you chosen... Uh, less so this week. So my, 
Right. <laughs> I can't believe I'm even saying this one now. My choice for Monday afternoon, 4.55 p.m. on a film four, is the 1987 classic sci-fi adventure for all the family, Masters of the Universe. The heroic warrior He-Man sets out to bring an, an end to the evil Skeletor's reign of terror, but is transported to Earth by a cosmic key with his arch-enemy's henchmen in hot pursuit. Fantasy adventure starring Dolph Lundgren, Frank Langella, Meg Foster and Billy Barty. And you know, Dolph Lundgren had sort of become famous off the back of Rocky IV, where he was the the, the, the big Russian boxer. Um, and uh, yeah, this was probably his, his first movie that was him starring in a film. And uh, and one of the few he's ever done where it's gone to the cinema, uh, but this was this was big back in 1987. This was a big family film, and following on the, from the back of the very successful cartoon um, about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, but but it was quite different from the cartoon. And I remember being a child at the time, being quite disappointed that he didn't have a lot of the characters from the cartoon, and um, He-Man seemed quite different from the cartoon um, version of He-Man. But, but nonetheless, you get beyond that. You get disappointed with a 12-year-old boy. Um, it, is, it is quite a good family adventure film. Um, Frank Langella completely wasted a Skeletor because he's all under very heavy prosthetics and, you know, an actor of his range. He played Nixon, didn't he, in Frost Nixon not that long ago. And he's, he's done lots of other things since then. You know, very, very acclaimed stage actor and clearly in this for the paycheck, you know, and, and nothing else. But... But if you're looking just some, for a bit of fun, uh, perhaps you're of a certain age where you remember playing with He-Man toys and watching the cartoon back in the 80s, then this is the live-action version. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, nine, uh, from 1987, 4.55pm on Film 4. Do you have any memory of this at all? No. No, it was... It was I, I mean, I think when our kids were young... It would have been a long time have... after this, wouldn't it? What, what year was it again? 1987. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. So only, only our oldest one would have been well, no, two, the youngest two, the oldest two would have been alive, but not not old enough to be watching stuff like that on TV. So, yeah, no, we missed out on that. I'm not sure "missed out" is quite the right phrase, but anyway, no, possibly it not. passed you no. by certainly. It passed me by, yeah, okay. that's true. Anyway, that's those are your choices for Monday. Let's move now to Tuesday and uh, 11.05pm on Film 4, we have Elizabeth. Yes, uh, it's Elizabeth I, played by Kate Blanchett, and it is, uh, it's turned into... It's, not, it's turned into more than a historical uh, film. It's 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 a, uh, a whodunit type of thing. as intrigue and all that sort of stuff going on as well. And, and, and one of the things that's extraordinary about it is the cast. It, it, it's, yeah, it's an amazing cast. Terence Rigby. Do you remember Terence Rigby? No, I don't think so. He was, um, I think he was a Birmingham actor, um, but he was in Softly, Softly. Performance. Do you remember Softly Softly? No. No, perhaps not. It was the it was the follow-up to Z card. Anyway, so he's in it. Uh, Christopher Eccleston's in it. Uh, Kathy Burke plays uh, Mary Tudor. Um, Edward Hardwick, who's and again another actor that people would recognise. Oh yeah, he was, Emily Morton. Edward Hardwick was Watson to Jeremy Brett. Yeah, Shell I was say, he's been Watson, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. As indeed had Terence Rigby as well in an, another version okay. of it. Um, uh, Emily Mortimer, Joseph, Joseph Fiennes, 
Kelly McDonald, oh, from Line of who Duty. we see on Line of Duty. Um, Wayne Sleep plays a dance tutor. A bit of a stretch for him there. Um, uh, Lily Allen, Alfie Allen, both in it. Jeffrey Rush, Richard Attenborough, uh, Angus Dayton, Eric Cantona. <laughs> it's just extraordinary, the, the cast in it. Um, I seem to recall Eric Cantona getting a lot of praise for his acting. Yeah, yeah. John Gielgud, Daniel Craig, Vincent Cassell. Um, he was in a lot of... Yeah. Uh, he was played sort of European... Well, he's French, isn't he? I think so. He probably would play European characters. But yeah, a, a huge cast. Um, uh, I mean... <laughs> Angus Dayton looks just like Angus Dayton normally does, apart from he's wearing sort of uh, doublet and hose, uh, as uh, as is Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona looks quite good in a pair of tights. There you go. Um, he, he, he carries that off pretty well. Right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good film. And there's a sequel to it as well, wasn't there? A, um, a sequel, was there? Yeah, the, I'm not about to say Elizabeth II, it's not a pun. There, there was a sequel to Elizabeth many years later with Kate Blanchett uh, reprising the role. Was it called something like Elizabeth okay. the Golden Age? I don't know. I really don't know why I aimed that at you then. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there was a there was a follow-up some years later. I'm trying to find now a list of okay. uh, of her movies, but because I wouldn't make stuff like that up. No, no, clearly not. Um I mean, this came out in the late 90s, didn't it? 2007, um, uh, Elizabeth the Golden Age. Um, so, was it nine years later? And uh, and I've got a feeling, I seem to remember at the time, that there was going to be a third film. And again, they were going to leave it for many years until Kate Blanchett was the right age to, to play Elizabeth again at that point in her life. Um, Jeffrey Rush was in it again. Um, Samantha Morton played Mary Stewart this time. Okay. Reese Fans was in it. Yeah, good cast. Eddie Redmayne, Clive Eddie Owen. Redmayne, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawrence Fox. Lawrence Fox, yeah, he's popular now, isn't he? Well, infamous. In, in certain places, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. So, yeah. so this is the original okay, one. This is go. the first one from 1998. Yes. Elizabeth. Indeed. 11.05pm mm. on uh, Film 4. Uh, that's Simon's Choice for Tuesday the 4th of May. Um, my choice for Tuesday the 4th, uh, again, not quite as proud of, of these choices as I was of last week's choices, but 9pm um, on ITV4, we've got uh, the second um, sword and sandal um, role of, for Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan the Destroyer. And this is the follow-up to Conan the Barbarian. The mighty sword-wielding warrior returns and is hired by a duplicitous queen to retrieve a mystical artefact from an evil sorcerer. Unfortunately, he fails to see that the malevolent monarch has a sinister plan in mind and intends to kill him once his task is complete. Fantasy adventure st- sequel starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Grace Jones, uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Sarah Douglas. And... It's kind of more of the same, really. You know, Conan the Barbarian was quite a surprise hit, and it it really sort of propelled Arnold Schwarzenegger to the you know to the sort of the big screen. And um, yeah, th- this was his follow up. This I think was the same year as um, Terminator, but I think this came out before that. And so I suppose the Terminator is what really sort of made him a, a big star. Mm. But but he had two of these films under his belt at that time as well. Mm. Um, ever ever watch the Conan films? No, no. I mean, it, it, this was very much about the, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the bodybuilder, wasn't it? 
Yeah, he, he didn't exactly. I mean, not that he's he's really bothered, um, you know, c- critics with his acting prowess, but but the, you know, he grew into the Arnold Schwarzenegger we all know and love, and uh, and yeah, this this was very much you know put a big muscle bloke in a loincloth and getting waving a sword around a bit. Yeah. Um, Maggie is on again this week. Yes, um, I saw. I nearly picked. I, I mean, it. I, 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 I mean, I didn't because we. It wasn't that long ago that we picked it before. But if you want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger in, um, uh, in a, a, a sort of uh, a more dramatic role, then have a look at that. Yeah. Um, search that out. I can't remember when it was on now, but it's, if you you can Google it or whatever, I you'll think find it's it. on on uh, Thursday next week. I can I can, I can find that out. Uh, I mean, it's no Citizen Kane, but it is quite good. Well, I think that's on at the same time. I've got a feeling they were both on on Thursday night. Um, yeah, th- oh, it is Thursday, uh, but it's later than that. It's uh, mid- just after midnight on the Horror Channel, Maggie. 12.40am, right. if you're interested. But yeah, that's a great uh, dramatic performance from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but, but yeah, this is this is a very early role for him. Um but you know he is entertaining, and uh, it is a you know good bit of adventure and and a little bit of comedy in there as well. It is amusing in places. That's Conan the Destroyer from 1984, uh, Tuesday the 4th of May, 9 p.m. on ITV4. So we move to Wednesday the 5th of uh, of May, and Simon has chosen 11:20 p.m. on ITV4, Scarface. Yes, it's uh, an updating of a 1932 film. Uh, this one's directed by Brian De Palma. It relocates uh, the events of the first film to Miami and it follows the rise and then subsequent fall of a Cuban refugee turned cocaine smuggling kingpin. Uh, uh, Scarface is played by Al Pacino and he's supported in this by Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio is there as well as his sister. Uh, Oliver Stone wrote the script, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it it is a snarling, uh, aggressive performance. I mean, this is when Al Pacino was uh, a relatively young man and um, energetic, powerful, you know, great, great. I mean, it does say it's one of his finest scenery-chewing performances, but, you know, nobody chews scenery quite the way Al Pacino does. So Yeah. And, and the way he, he transformed himself as well without really doing anything. You know, he, he, he you believed that he was the, a Cuban immigrant, you know, whereas in other films, you believed he's an Italian um, immigrant or he's, you know, he, he was able to sort of... Cuban, Italian, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of difference, is there? Really? Well, I, I would imagine, um, I would imagine that, that I'm not, uh, Cubans would be of, of a darker complexion. Sort of more I don't know, and I suppose if you're Cuban, you probably wouldn't like to think that you know people are comparing you with an Italian, and vice versa. Well, I just imagine the cute people people who are perhaps originally from Cuba would have slightly more of a Latin look to them, and um, maybe yeah. Anyway, but but yeah, Al Pacino, you know, great, and the way that this sort of shows the rise and the fall of 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 his character. Uh, and, and the way that De Palma does that, that there's a great shot where um, he's he's sort of showing Al Pacino with like a mountain of of, of, of white substance on his desk, and he, he does it in such a way that he makes Al Pacino look so small. And then there's there's other different bits that, that that the higher up the chain Al Pacino's character gets, he keeps 
doing these shots which make him look small you know doing these wide shots with him uh, you know um, with his his mansion behind him and, and doing the angle in such a way that he you know there's something about it how you know while the the character's getting bigger and bigger uh, it would it felt like the director was trying to make him look smaller and smaller you know I don't, I don't know something about the futility of trying to get to the top and then you find there's nothing mm. there the slippery pole yeah, yeah yeah something like that but but yeah it's uh it's great some very brutal moments in it you know the say hello to my little friends it's quite a quite quite a moment you know and and yeah it's it's not for, not for the faint of heart but uh no and this was um i think michelle pfeiffer's first role in a movie i think it, it certainly was a very early role for her Okay. And uh, and you know she she did I think she did very well in this second appearance of the week for her of course with um, one fine day earlier um, featuring her as well and then she followed this up with Grease too and despite that she still had a career afterwards yes uh, but yeah um, great great performances uh, in in the movie and and, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio as the uh, the younger sister as well uh, which would have been a very early role for her um, and yeah. You know, it's one of these great, great films, and the, the sort of the, the setting, the scenery of you know Miami in the '80s, and the style of it all. It, it just, yeah, it just sizzled on the screen. Mm. Anyway, that's uh, Scarface, uh, eleven twenty p.m. on ITV4 uh, on uh, Wednesday, the fifth of May. <laughs> so, my choice for Wednesday, the fifth of May, and another outing for Arnold Schwarzenegger this week. Uh, this time in a film that I know that you quite like. Um, from 1990, my choice is Total Recall. A construction worker pays to have fake memories of a dream holiday implanted into his brain, but discovers his mind has already been tampered with, apparently to erase his true identity as a secret agent from a colony on Mars. He journeys to the planet in search of the truth, but is drawn into a conflict between the tyrannical ruler and a rebel faction. Paul Verhoeven's sci-fi thriller starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rachel T. Cotton and Michael Ironside. My uh, listings there have done what yours often do, and they've left out somebody relatively famous who was also in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a, she wasn't a big part, and it was one of her first films, wasn't it? It, it was an early, early part for her, but yes, uh, Sharon Stone was in there. I, I believe she played mm. Arnie's wife. Yeah, but I know it sounds like it ought to be a big part, but it wasn't a huge part, was it? No. Anyway, uh, but, yes. But yes, but Sharon Stone's in there as well. Interestingly, there's another version of Total Recall, and that's on the following night. Um, well, it's funny you should say that because I hadn't noticed that this one was on. Right. But um, I, I saw the other one was on, the Colin Farrell one, um, and uh, I've, I've never seen the Colin Farrell. Perhaps I ought to watch that sometime. Yeah, but... well, I was thinking the same thing because I've heard good things of it, and I've heard that as good as as, as the Paul Verhoeven version is, and how it's very much a Paul Verhoeven film. Um, you know, it, it much in the same sort of um, ilk as, as Starship Troopers and Robocop and mm. these other mm. futuristic films that he's done. But Total, the, the Colin Farrell Total Recall film apparently is more faithful to the source material, the Philip K. Dick short story. Um, All right, okay. And uh, and, and yeah, is is apparently quite a good film in its own right, and doesn't bear an awful lot of resemblance to the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. So, you know, like it'll be a different experience as opposed to just watching mm. the same thing from a slightly different take. Anyway, um, yeah. It's quite good. I mean, you know, the, the, the Total Recall thing. I mean, it's no Citizen Kane, but, you know, it's not a bad film. 
Okay. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure the listener now knows where, where we're heading with this because you said that twice. But anyway, Total Recall, 9pm on ITV4 uh, on Wednesday, the 5th of May. Let's move now to Simon's final choice of the week. Thursday, the 6th of May, 8pm on BBC4. It is Citizen Kane. Um, yes, it's... I mean, this is... This is an extraordinary film. Uh, it's it's in uh, most uh, listings uh, as the number one film ever. It was uh, the feature film debut of, of a 25-year-old actor director, uh, Orson Welles, and uh, it's it's just extraordinary that he he had the chutzpah. Uh, to uh, produce something at that age, from, so from 1941, it's very loosely, well, not that loosely, based on the life of William Randolph Hearst, who was a, um, a newspaper magnate at the time. Uh, this Wells's character is Charles Foster Kane. Um, the, the only thing I would say about it is, I found it quite boring. Wow, great. Snow Citizen Kane. Well, you know, if if I was sort of given the choice of watching um, Total Recall, Scarface, or Citizen Kane, um, and I felt that wanted some sort of entertainment, I think I might choose one of the others rather than Citizen Kane. But having said that, it's not on TV that often. I mean, it is a it is a very well known film and. You know, as I say, is the top the top of uh, most of these lists. So you you sort of feel you ought to watch it, really. And I might try and watch it again this time. Okay. I mean, despite you saying it's not on TV very often, it is on twice in the next week. Um, It's on BBC Two as well as on BBC Four. For some reason, on Thursday, um, BBC Four at eight o'clock on Thursdays normally puts on something that's been on. Um, BBC Two or BBC One uh, earlier in the week. Ah. Um, they seem to have that sort of that thing they do. Okay. Because uh, it's quite often work that I've chosen a film on Thursday on BBC Four because there was something else that was only on once earlier on in the week. And so to get them both in, I've done that. But yeah. Yeah. There you go. Citizen Kane. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was quite surprised when I saw this listed that it was only two hours long. I had the, I just had this idea in my head that it was a real long epic movie. It just feels very long. But do you know what I mean? I thought it was like three or four hours long. And then and when I saw it was on from eight till ten, I kind of thought, is that part one? And is it then broken up by the news? And then it will mm. part two later. But no, I, I looked it up. The running time is 119 minutes. Um but yeah 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 which it's you know in its day i suspect it was quite long when I mean, you i think gone with the wind was very long yeah that one um, that one's over four hours i believe but most films sort of an hour and a half was generally the sort of uh, the length of a film okay um i mean i was just looking at the length of some of the films we've got this week i mean where eagles dare i mean i know it's on itv so therefore it's adverts um but it's coming out not much short of four hours that well you know sort of th- three hours 20 minutes and i got that timing right indeed uh that's surprising wonder if i that surprises me um because yeah I've, i wonder if i've got that timing two hours right oh, on two that. hours 38 minutes where eagles dead well that's its that's full, its running, full time. running time two hours 38 minutes. so bung it in the adverts 
and that's probably his right yeah. end, isn't it? Um, I mean, Skyfall again on ITV. That's quite which a long isn't film. Isn't one of the longest. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's not as long as the Eagles Dare, according to my timings. But um, two hours twenty-three yeah. minutes. Okay. It's only what fifteen minutes in it. Yeah, Blair Witch was sort of an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, there we are. There we are. I mean, Citizen Kane. I mean, it. it it, it's nowhere Eagles Dare, but it's not a bad film. <laughs> well, I've never seen it, and I, up until the point when you said it's a bit boring, I was actually thinking maybe I'll watch it this week. Well, try it. You know, try it. See what you see what you find. Okay. I mean, you have to remember that films uh, eighty, yeah, eighty years ago. Mm. Um, you know, it was a different world then. I mean, when, when we've talked about things like the Sweeney from the seventies and eighties, that that incredibly slow paced TV shows mm. uh, well you go back you know this. I know it's it's a classic and all that but you go back 80 years uh, and things were different weren't they yeah didn't have snappy editing and all that sort of malarkey and, even though it was very forward looking and you have to sort of um, you have to factor that in don't you I think when you watch a film like this you have to try to observe it in context because mm. um, yeah, because because it doesn't. In a way, these classic films don't stand up to today's um, uh, you know t- to today's standards. But you watch them in context, mm. and, and and you perhaps have a different appreciation for them. But there you go. That's Citizen Kane, eight pm on BBC Four, Thursday the sixth of May. My final choice on Thursday sixth of May, eleven thirty pm uh, on BBC Two. It's up in the air. Um, a corporate downsizing expert loves life uh, detached from everyday existence and striving to achieve a personal goal of 10 million accumulated air miles however his lifestyle comes under threat by an up-and-coming executive with a revolutionary approach that would make his role all but obsolete comedy drama starring George Clooney Vera Farmiga Anna, Anna Kendrick Jason Bateman and Amy Morton and uh, a great cameo performance from one of my favourite actors, Sam Elliott, who, who, who appears right at the end as a as a as a airline pilot. Um, and yeah, he's only in it for a minute or so, but but he's great. But this was, um, you know, so basically this guy flies all over the country and fires people, and That's and, and he does it so well that he almost like at the end of each and they show you lots of these interviews he's done where he's firing people and they're thanking him at the end of it. And, um, you know, when he's giving them their severance packages and telling them how it's going to be. And, and he's very cold and he's very um, methodical. And, and, and he, he just seems to be almost a bit like a robot with a, with a decent haircut. It, it, you know, and, and, and he just seems to be able to function that way. And he's quite happy with his life. And then he gets given a, a younger sidekick that he's got to sort of show the ropes to, which he's not happy about. And then he discovers, in fact, that... You know the fate that he's been dishing out to lots of other people is coming his way, and and it's yeah. his coming to. I mean, it's a, it's a terrific film, and uh, Vera Farmiga is very good in it, uh, and uh, one of Anna Kendrick's first roles, I mm. think, isn't it? And it's directed by Jason um, Reitman, who is the son of uh, Ivan Reitman, the director of films such as Ghostbusters. Okay. And Jason Reitman is in fact uh, directing the new Ghostbusters film that's out later this year, which includes oh. the old cast. Yeah, yeah, I could say Sigourney Weaver. I know was I heard her talking about. Yeah, that. and I think Bill Murray and Dan Ackwood are in it as well, and um, Ernie Hudson. The, the surviving original Ghostbusters are all in it, um, uh, but and Paul Rudd's in it as well. So you can't have everything. But anyway, um, he's all right, Paul Rudd. Um, 
Anyway, uh, up in the air. What surprised me about this film because it's quite good. It's a good. It's a good um, sort of comedy um, drama, as it says here. Uh, but it just the number of Oscars it got nominated for. It got nominated for six Oscars, um, and right. it got Best Picture, uh, Best Actor for George Clooney, Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Vera Farmiga, and for Anna Kendrick, Best Director for Jason Reitman, and Best Adapted Screenplay for Jason Reitman. Um, it didn't win any of those, but but nonetheless, to get nominated for six Oscars is, mm. isn't bad. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was uh, you know quite quite a film. And I seem to re- recall that George Clooney had another film out at the same time, and people, I think there was a feeling that he should have got nominated for the other one, not for this one. Um, Is that The Quiet American or The American? Uh, I'm, I'm now looking. Yeah, The American came out just just a bit later. Uh, maybe I'm getting confused, but there was, certainly there was a, t- a, a time when he got, nom- he got nominated for an Oscar, but it was felt that he, he, he got nominated for the wrong film. Um, but, but the one he right. got nominated for was probably more sort of academy friendly. Um, mm. No, it, maybe it wasn't then. But because uh, because I think is it was it the film Syriana that he actually won an Oscar for. I, I don't know. Yeah, I bow to you on that. Um, yeah, he, he had Syriana and Good Night and Good Luck that were both out at the same time. And when he won the Oscar for whichever one it was, he in his speech he said, "Well, I guess this means I didn't win the other one then." And then, sure enough, when they announced the other one, he didn't win that. Yeah, he won the Best Supporting Actor for Syriana. Um, okay. But but Good Night and Good Luck was a more controversial film, which I think he directed and produced, uh, as well as appearing in. And and I don't think he it did so well in the Oscars. Anyway, up in the air is 11.30pm on Thursday the 6th of May on BBC Two. And that concludes the film guide for another week. So, Simon, which is your uh, film of the week? Um, I think I'm going to go for... uh, Oh, dear, it's hard. It's hard. I think I might go for Elizabeth, actually. Oh, okay. I thought you might go on for I, Galaxy Quest. I'm, I was trying to trying to get you. Well, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not yeah, trying I to talk you out of it. I haven't got. No, no, no. I, I'm just thinking that there's no clear winner for me this week. Let's put it like that. It's hard, isn't it? Sometimes. Um, you know, Galaxy Quest or Citizen Kane. You know, <laughs> hard, hard to know. So let's split the difference and go for Elizabeth. Okay. I was torn between uh, George Clooney and One Fine Day or George Clooney and Up in the Air, and I think. Okay. I'm going to go for One Fine Day because being that much older, maybe people aren't as familiar with the film as Up in the Air, which mm-hmm. is more recent. Um, and so, yeah, One Fine Day is my yeah. choice. Okay. I mean, Up in the Air, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but I think Up in the Air is a slightly more unusual film. And I think it I think it's, it, was, it will be overlooked by a lot of people, whereas... One Fine Day is, I think that's on quite often. But, you know, I, I think One Fine uh, Up in the Air is a, is a terrific film. Okay, I'm going to change it then. Up clever. in the Air it is. Well, no, you don't, no, no, don't no, feel no. that, you know. No, I don't even think I don't okay. ever listen to you. Up, up in the Air okay. it is. I'm nothing if not flexible. Right. Uh, that's my film. Okay. Um, thank you for that, Simon. Uh, what's what's coming up on the Dagnall Street Baptist Church uh, virtual service on Sunday? Oh, right. Well, last week we were talking about sheep and shepherds. This time we're talking about vineyards. So, um, lamb and wine, I suppose, are the last two weeks. Okay. Um, 
mm. right, but it's not a, it's not a cookery show it's um it's a no. it's a virtual church service yeah. so you get you get readings you get yeah. prayers you get hymns and you get uh, a talky bit in the middle yeah got a bit of um, fairport convention bit of benny king as well this week so you know lots of different things okay um yeah that and that comes out on sunday mornings and you can find that where you found this as well and more details at our website centalbanspodcast.com in the meantime simon thank you very much and uh we'll catch you next week 